Welcome to this week's episode of the Photo Detective Podcast. I'm Maureen Taylor, the Photo Detective. I'm beyond thrilled to let you know that my book, Family Photo Detective, has been updated and re-released for 2023. In fact, it's been out of print for a number of years, so I am pretty excited about having it back in print. My book is the easiest way to unlock the secrets behind your family photos by helping figure out key elements and how you can identify more about your family through pictures. You can find it on my website at MaureenTaylor.com. It's right on the front page, so you can't miss it. And it's available in both ebook and print formats. Hi, I'm Maureen Taylor, the photo detective. I really love family photographs, all of them, from the mystery images you find in shoeboxes and albums to the pictures you snap with your digital devices. No mystery is too small. A simple question about an image can lead to new stories of your ancestors. This means you can count on me to help you identify the people in them, offer solutions for preserving and organizing them, and yes, even guide you in the various ways to gather and share picture stories with your relatives. My guest today is Emma Kilburn-Smith. Emma is a very talented fiber artist who lives in Calgary, Alberta. Yeah. And I first found you on TikTok for your fiber arts using found photographs. But tell us a little more about yourself, how you came to do this. Yeah, well, I'd say my passion is completely in storytelling. So I started off uh, right out of high school going into broadcast news. And that's where my training was. And then I considered going into journalism right away, but I was pretty young because I just come out of high school as a two-year program. So I figured I would do something that I was passionate about and interested in to give me a bit of a theory for the world that I'd be reporting on or talking about. So that's where I decided might as well do four years of art school. (laughs) So that's kind of where I got started. And then I took a little while to decide on my major because I'm interested in so many things, which I think lends itself to a lot of this art practice as well, actually. And eventually I settled on fiber and animation And so in my program, I did a lot of stop motion work where I would incorporate a lot of fiber work. So sometimes it was like mixed media stop motion. So I'd embroider on felt. I did some, I did a moth animation. I embroidered on some felt to make them look like cocoons. And then I'd bring in photos that I found like collage pieces, but again, not, not family photos. They're more like from magazines that I'd play with. So that's, yeah, that's where that got started. And then I decided to uh, do my master's degree. (laughs) So I'm in a master's degree. I'm studying, I'm in media and I'm actually studying, you know, those photo animation filters that are becoming popular on TikTok. Mm -hmm. I study those, but actually how they relate to Victorian spirit photography. So um, yeah, (laughs) looking at the historical background and then trying to yeah, incorporate a bit more of the modern technology because there are some surprising overlaps. Don't ask me too much about it because I'm just a master's student. I'm, you know, it's my thesis writing year, but yeah. That is so cool. 
Yeah. I had no idea there was a connection between the photo filters on TikTok and spirit photography from the 19th century. And that is something I'm going to have to look into. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think it's pretty new and nobody has written about it yet. So I'm hoping to publish it. <laughs> well, let's I don't think there's a lot written about it. Exactly. I, th- I really want you to publish about it. I would love <laughs> to have you back on the podcast talking about it because it's mm-hmm. fascinating. Mm-hmm. For those of you that don't know who Emma is, and you might not, but she has this wonderful TikTok called Stitchography by Emma, and she uses found photographs. And we were talking right before we began to record about how there are millions of snapshots all over the world sitting in boxes and bins, sitting in the trash. You know, they get tossed out. No one knows who they are. They don't care who they are in some cases. And you pick them up and you treasure them in a way that to me was unusual. Now you, you told me that there's lots of stitch artists doing this, but you're the person I follow, Emma. And you honor the memory of these photographs by embellishing them with beautiful embroidery stitches, like snowflakes in a winter scene or roses on a rose bush and or even the decoration on a hat that might be something that you stitch you don't stitch over the whole photograph you just call out the details and and they're so evocative they're so emotional when you look at them I just love looking at your work and and what you've been doing with it And I know my followers will be like, Maureen, what are you doing? You're encouraging her to stitch on actual found photographs. But Emma, you and I know not every photograph has a home. Not every photograph will be identified. And there are a good number that will just be disposed of. And you are saving them in a way. Yeah, you know, when I first ordered, because I ordered my first photos, old photos online, I think like 10 of them. And I was like, you know, this would be really cool to embroider on. But at the time, I couldn't even imagine stitching on them. And I remember sending the seller a message and just saying, do you, is it like, do they belong to me? Can I do have the rights to the image and all that? And saying I, I would never stitch on the actual photos. And she was very nonchalant because she has tons of customers who do stuff with it, whether it be collage work, you can like rip it apart and add things to it or like some people who do stitch on old photos. And so I think, you know, starting off, I think it's kind of a niche, even though there's other people who do it, it's still a niche medium. And so for people, when they first see it, I think part of the interest in it is that it's so new. And then because you haven't seen it before, you don't really know. It's kind of an exposure to old photography as well as it is to the art form. So I think for a lot of people, they don't realize that there are, like I go to my local antique shop and there's just a room Uh, and my one local antique shop and there's a room full of them I also do old postcards always photo postcards only rppcs real photo postcards but you know they're just like they will just go in the trash otherwise and a lot of them I find are stunning but what would it take to encourage somebody to want to buy one or to hang it in their home and honor history in a different way and so I think the threads hopefully I try to add some concepts sometimes, like I did a ghost one recently where it was like a little ghost coming home from work with his little briefcase to kind of highlight, you know, there's a super beautiful car next to it. So I would never cover the car because it's just a stunning photo. And the house itself is just a piece of history. It looks like a cookie cutter home from the fifties, but, and it's pretty on its own, but I think just a little bit of something, you know, a concept or thread color. Yeah. Makes it a piece of art. Well, I've been at ephemera shows and ephemera is disposable paper that people keep and collect 
and seen dealers, photo dealers sitting behind their booth with photo albums from the 1940s and 50s and 60s. And what do they do? They open the page and they take all the photographs out and they stick them in a box. They page by page, they just rip them all off. So this is a this is a wake up call for anyone that's listening who hasn't identified those snapshots because they could end up anywhere. You know, please identify your photographs if you don't want them to end up where you don't want to end them to end up. But Emma, you your images. I mean, you are an artist, right? You interpret things in the picture, like mm -hmm. the little ghost with the briefcase. I saw that. It was so cute, <laughs> just so cute. And some of some of yours are so beautiful. You've done other things with them. You have an Etsy store where you've put them on bags and magnets and stickers and, you know, because people really love those particular images. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned that you got into TikTok because that's a natural extension of what you're doing with media. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's obviously how I first found you just scrolling around and somehow you popped up in my algorithm and I'm glad it did. And I immediately hit the follow button so I can keep up with what you're working on. But you also mentioned to me in your bio that you've been studying other types of animation, like the My Heritage Deep Nostalgia. What about that? Yeah, well, I think that's interesting because yeah, the so there's two different photo animation filters right now. So it started with an ancestry site, which on its own is kind of interesting, that developed this filter that you could uh, upload a digital image of one of your old photographs and then apply a filter to it and it would reanimate the photo. Now you can even add a feature on it. So if you want to make it smile, you can make your old relative smile or you could make them, I think wink is another one. And then those started to circulate on TikTok and then TikTok created its own photo animation filter. So those are kind of the two different kinds. Yeah, that work right now. I think the, my, or deep hair, or what am I trying to say? Deep, deep nostalgia is a trademark of myheritage.com. Yes. yes, and that was in March. And then I believe the photo animation filter on TikTok came out in July. I think it's interesting because I'm definitely interest in nostalgia. When I'm stitching on these old photos, I am always watching a history documentary. <laughs> to me, it's like, there's something, it's the history as much like I put them on tote bags because I love it. And I want history with me all the time, you know? So I think there's something interesting about, especially during the pandemic, there's a lot of research about um, nostalgia. So it's interesting that these filters as a coping mechanism, nostalgia is a coping mechanism and has been used in the past. So it's interesting that these have come out and become very popular during pandemic times. Um, what I'm seeing during pandemic times is so many more people jumping on the let's reunite a photograph with their missing family. Mm, yes, yeah. There's an, there, it's an explosion, an explosion of it. Before mm -hmm. it was a few people here and there doing it. Now it's like everyone's into it. And I think it feeds into that nostalgic feeling that mm -hmm. we all have, you know, oh, can we go back to regular life anytime soon, please? This gives everyone a sense of joy when you connect an image with someone. But your photographs with the stitching mm -hmm. give us joy as well. If, if you can just let go of that, she's stitching on an actual photograph thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's okay because these photographs are not going to be saved. Well, and there are certain ones I did a recent, well, recently over the summertime in September, I was commissioned by a local museum to do a commission piece. 
and I would never do it on one of their original photos. So I have it set up whenever I'm asked for custom work. I do not work on the original photograph. I ask for their like a scanned copy and then I print it on a map paper and I do it on that. So I'm not opposed to doing it, um, not on the actual photograph. But in this case, it's something to be said about upcycling and like how many photos we have. I just, I could keep, and there are some that I haven't embroidered on because I think they're just stunning on their own and I could keep all of them. But then what? Then they're just still in a box somewhere, you know? So I kind of think for me, it's taking that photo and then turning it into something else, you know, or honoring it and turning it into something more of itself, maybe. Yeah. And also, you know, I think there's, I have a professor in my, to go a little bit academic in my program who researches a lot of uh, data and uh, data collection, like how there's actually a huge environmental impact for how much data we have. So I think it's even interesting to think of how many online photos and stuff we have that it's not, there's this idea that it goes into nowhere and it doesn't have any impact. There's nothing, just put it online, it's fine. But there's actually huge data centers being built in the ocean <laughs> to like be able to house all this data. So, you know, it's a little bit going off topic, but just we can have digital copies of them. There's nothing wrong with that. We have a whole bunch of hard copies, but yeah, I don't know. At what point is it just accumulating more and more stuff, you know? Well, there was something you just said that made me go, wait, what? You take commissions? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, well, I, I had had them up for a while. Now that I'm a master's program, I'm extremely busy trying to keep the business running just as it is. So I've taken them down. I have a couple that I'm working on that I took on a little while ago, but yeah. And that is actually main interest for people. There's a lot of people who see what I do and you know, it's one thing to see somebody else's photo and that's great, especially if it's a very beautiful artistic photo, then that has its own quality. But I think a lot of people see it and are like, what could my family members look like or this special moment from my time? What do you see in it? How can you bring it to life in your own way? A lot of people, it tends to be, you know, people who've passed away and they might want to honor a moment or somebody in that way. Or, you know, a wedding is pretty typical as well. So. Oh, I can totally see that mm -hmm. for a wedding photograph of like my grandmother. She's got a fancy little headpiece on and that would just look so beautiful uh, mm -hmm. embroidered. But I'm not sure we've, we've talked about it in this installation where I'm recording, but why, why stitchery? Why not painting or, I don't know, Italio or engravings? Why, why fiber arts and photographs? You know, I think it's actually an excellent question. One is on a very simple level, like I am a fiber artist. So that makes it pretty easy. I do do occasional painting, I would not say much of a painter, but even to go on a bit more of a conceptual level with that would be like the historical element of fiber, I think is a very interesting mix with old photos. There's something about when you're stitching a photo, it's the process of I guess you could say that with painting and everything as well. You get to know the photo more when you're working on it in that way. But, you know, sometimes I'll leave this, like the threads hanging in the back to show a bit of process. And also the background, like I'm really interested in technology history. So even though we do see, you know, technology media as sort of a modern thing, obviously it has a lot of historical roots. So I think it's really interesting to be playing with what's the process in photography. It's not all digital. It's not it's not outside of craft 
it's also its own craft. So I think as a craftsperson, maybe I'd identify with a lot. I'm interested in, yeah, the craft of fiber and the craft of film or photography. Yeah, and the beautiful thing is women for centuries have been taught to stitch, mm -hmm. taught embroidery. Right? There was a purpose behind it. Mm -hmm. A woman's value as a wife was sometimes measured by how what how the quality of her embroidery stitches mm -hmm. but then by the time these snapshots are being taken women are primarily the photographers taking those pictures mm -hmm. the, documenting their family everyday life so you've connected a centuries old technique with a modern technique mm -hmm. both linked by women you know i think it's interesting because when i was in animation it is a very male dominant field. Like I think on one hand, there is a huge feeling that photography is a masculine hobby. So I think it's kind of interesting to take these photos. And I, I do prefer personally, I try to find kind of romantic ones. I like romantic, yeah. um, emotional laughing, kind of maybe more feminine photos that I do tend to gravitate towards. And then I think I make generally very feminine pieces. So I think there is an element there of, you know, maybe there's part of when I was in animation, you kind of had to reclaim it in your own way. How do you make, you know, a feminine animation or something that's like, how are you, how can you be a woman in this very masculine environment? Yeah. So technology yeah. equals masculinity. Yes. Yeah, exactly. What's been the most surprising thing for you from starting this? And how long have you been doing the stitchery on photographs? Since March. Only I, since March? Only since March. I just, you know, I, for such a long time when I graduated, because I, I do plan on going into journalism um, as my full-time career, because I just do love, you know, film and storytelling. But I knew I wanted to do, I, I need a creative outlet, some kind of medium. So I'd sort of done some weaving, which I do, I do do, but nothing got my attention like this like for me it just felt so natural and there's little bits because I did weaving because I did occasional embroidery in my um undergrad and then the film element it was a natural progression in that way but yeah it was sort of just yeah it sort of just happened and I think part of it is like collecting old photos is just as much fun as embroidering on them like you get to go looking for these great photos and it's like, it keeps my attention because there's so many diverse photos. There's so many different concepts that you can work with. So many different images. But yeah, I've been working on it since March is when I started. <laughs> you are a natural at it. <laughs> I think I mentioned to you that I'm taking an embroidery and working really hard at it. And I'm not very good at it. Your work is beautiful. Uh, and I hope you don't have to stop. I really, really hope you don't have to stop because of your graduate studies or because journalism is takes a lot of dedication and time. Yeah. And I think if you ever decided you didn't want to do journalism, you could probably support yourself just on commissions. I, I would just say like the story element is just so important to me. Like, again, it's, it's in these photos, the art is al almost secondary. It's who are these people in the photographs? What was the story in the photograph? Again, I really aim for a narrative in it. And so I think 
you know, it, they're both important to me, the art practice and journalism or film, however you like it, because I film TikToks and stuff, but I don't, I can't imagine myself doing one without the other. So as long as there's a good balance of meeting people, finding out their stories, learning them through photographs or on the street, <laughs> it's no matter what it is, that's the driving force. Yeah. Well, family historians think of photo storytelling involving the documents that we find and the little details that we find but you brought it to a whole new level by adding color and texture to an actual image. And again, just to repeat, these are abandoned images without any names on them. Probably no, you maybe date them, you can date them, but you cannot necessarily identify the people in them. These are abandoned, disposable images that you are buying and giving them a new life. Sometimes you'll get like on the back, there'll be a scribbles of like, I've never seen anything that's been that's dated exactly where it is and last name and everything. But occasionally you get a like 1953 written on the back or maybe just a first. And in those cases, I generally do my best to preserve the writing on the back. Sometimes it's unavoidable if the image really just needs, you know, wherever it is, but then I'll copy the back. For me, the notes are super important. So I will always have a copy of the back if there's any writing on it. But again, these come from all over the world and wherever these photo dealers got them, like it's so, and there was one photo I did, there's a sunflower one that has like this woman laughing and then all these this pieces of sunflower kind of just to represent her joy coming off of her. And I had so many messages about that one, people thinking that it was their grandmother in the photo, you know, because we identify with people and she had such a classic look. She looked, she did look like my grand, my, my cousin said to me, it looks like Nana. (laughs) So I think, um, yeah, I think it's just, there's a lot that people resonate, I think, within the images. And I, and again, I do preserve as much of the history as I can. I would never rip these photos up. I treat them like my babies when they're done. Like I really, they are very important to me. So, and then I just hope they find the right people. Like I I think of it as homes, new homes for them. So if you've just started this in March, how many photographs do you currently own? So many, so many. It just like, I, to be like, I, I could not stop once I start hundreds. I have hundreds of photos (laughs) and postcards. I have thousands. It's It's a sickness. I know. And every time you see a new one, there's just, you know, it's like an outfit or something in the background or, you know, it's just these total glimpses into the past. But I think that this sort of attachment that people have to what's in the image is both what makes them love it and hate it. Like the people who love it, love it because it's like something real. It's somebody in the past who is like living in a different way now. Mm-hmm. And then the people who are offended by it are like, why, how could you do that to somebody? Because there, it's them in the photo. Or they're missing a photograph. You know, they would like it to be their relative. Their, yeah. You know, yeah. Yes. Or there's the, yes. I've only had the one comment about people thinking it's another like somebody else, like somebody that they know in the photo. But yeah, briefly, I'd say like on an academic level, it's a bit to do with like the indexicality, right? The semiotics of the image is sort of at play in that, I think. Mm. Well, a couple of months ago, I said to a friend, I said, I have too many pictures. I said, I'm just going to stop. I have to stop buying them. And yeah. she rolled her eyes and sort of snorted. And she goes, yeah, no, I, I really don't see that happening. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, she's right, because I have a whole nother tray of them that I bought. Yeah. <laughs> scan, which and I, what do you do with yours? I write about them. If I can research them, I write about them. I use them for examples in my books. 
I just treasure them because to me, it's a piece of history. And it's not just the history I learned in a, in a textbook. These people actually lived. So, you know, I like to tell people that all the history represented in photographs is not necessarily written down. Mm, interesting. Yeah. As you said, well, as you, you know, have noticed, there's a lot of uniqueness. Yeah, I have been, I, I do have copies of every photo that I have. The nature of most of them have been bought online anyways. So I just have images of them. And I've gone on and I, there was somebody who commented on one of my TikTok videos saying that there's a website that you can upload them to as sort of like a mass database. So I have been thinking of, yeah, I'd have to look a bit more into it. But if there's something like that, again, my only thing is I've been considering I totally believe in archiving. Like, I think it's obviously the history is so important, but I have been thinking, you know, how much can we preserve and is there an environmental impact on this? So I do have them. I'll continue to take them. If there's anything that can be done about, you know, to preserve the original image, I might start selling like postcards where you can have like a print of the actual photo before and then after kind of thing mm -hmm. to type in more of the history. But yeah. 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 So when do you think you're going to finish your degree? I ha I'm, yeah, it's supposed to be this year is my graduating year. So I, this is the Christmas rush. I'm doing some Christmas ornaments, some specialty items. So until December 1st, I think I'm going to be a hundred percent on my business, but it's, I think that the degree is important. I think I've learned a lot of the, like, I'm much more of a hands-on person. So I follow you on TikTok and I follow you on Instagram, but where can people look at your work and possibly purchase? Well, for now, up until January, I plan on getting my own website in January. Everything's just mainly TikTok, mainly Instagram. I'm working on Vimeo because I actually found some found footage. So old found footage from the forties. So I'm planning on making some animations with found footage. So that's going to come. And then I have through my shop itself is just on Etsy, but then Etsy. in January, it will, it will shift to, if everything goes according to plan, it will shift to my own website. It's stitchography by Emma. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it simple. Stay with the branding. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to be too hard to find. <laughs> Emma, it has been wonderful speaking with you today. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the photo detective. I will continue to be a big fan and I will have to find a piece for my office <laughs> and for a friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media, leave me a rating and a review. And if you know of a friend or family member who's also interested in family photographs, share this episode with them too. See you next time. I'm thrilled to be offering something new, Photo Investigations. 
These collaborative one-on-one sessions look at your family photos. You and I meet to discuss your mystery images and find out how each clue and hint might contribute to your family history. And trust me, these images can reveal so much in your research. I have decades of experience in the photo, genealogy, and history industries. This is your chance to learn from me and discover the stories in your family images. You can find out more by going to MaureenTaylor.com and clicking on Family Photo Investigations.